Hello, my name is Ryan Wynn, and this is how it's reported. Today, we have... Uh, Zach DeMars. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Okay. Zach is a normal reporter who covers administration and tuition. How long have you been doing that exactly? Um, I've been at the Emerald for about like eight months since September, okay. if that math is right. And I've been <laughs> uh, covering administration pretty much the entire time and tuition, honestly, most of that time at this point. I remember your first piece. I think it was about um, Shell's tuition, not tuition increase, um, salary increase, was it not? Yeah, that was my first story. That was yeah. your first story. So this week you've written a cover story. Could you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So basically the story that I wrote this week is about everything that, everything that's going on with the university's budget situation. A lot of people are calling it a budget crisis. Some people call it uh people call it a lot of things. Basically the university um needed to find 34 million dollars to make up for the gap between the expenses that it was projecting to have and how much money it was expecting to make next year. And so this story looks at a lot of the parts of that, not all of it, because it's a massive, hairy mess, but um, some parts of it. You can find a link to the story in the description below, or better yet, pick up a print edition in the black and green boxes that you may or may not notice around campus. Or follow me on Twitter, Zach underscore Demars. Zach underscore Demars. That's Zach with a K. That's Z-A-C-K underscore D-E-M-A-R-S. Any other way of spelling it is just awful. I agree. Um, CC <laughs> Editor-in-Chief Zach Price. Um, yes. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, so what sort of does that mean for students, that sort of budget shortfall as you described it? I mean, the biggest impact that students are going to feel from all of this are the tuition increases that got approved by the Board of Trustees um, for out-of-state students in March and for in-state students just last week. Um, for out-of-state students, that's almost $1,000 more for a full year of classes. Um, the resident tuition increase is still up in the air, depending on some other things, but it could be anywhere between like $400 and $900, depending on how much the state contributes to the university. So, I mean, the biggest impact of the gap in the whole situation is um, students are going to be paying more for tuition year this year and potentially years in the future. Yeah, and sort of what are some of the misconceptions you may hear when you hear students sort of discuss this university budgeting that maybe you'd like to clear up? I think it's, people think it's a lot more simple than it is. Like this is such a complex thing and there are so many people who have different interests and it's not just like there are some people in some dark room in the back of Johnson Hall that are like, let's make students suffer and <laughs> increase tuition. It's, I mean, the math is not as easy as that. Um, and I think people just want to like, I don't know, let's take money from over here and push it over there. And there are limits to that. I'm, I don't know entirely what all of those limits are. Um, but it's not, it's not just someone in administration is like trying to ruin students' lives. It's, they've done some math and the way that their math works out is that tuition has to increase. You know, if that's the right way the math should work out, I don't know, but it's, they're not evil, I don't think. Yeah. Okay. So I think something else that I hear people talking about a lot is why you can't move money 
from the athletics fund over to support students more generally in what you what you write as the eng fund do you do you know why yeah so the eng fund is like the education and general fund and that's kind of everything that the university uses to operate academically so like paying professors and keeping the lights on in buildings and paying down university debt is all from the eng fund and i think it is a pretty popular thing for a lot of people to say well athletics has so much money why don't we just take money from athletics and move it to eng and i think the way jamie moffat the university's chief financial officer explains it um is that it's more complicated than that. Um, Apparently at many other universities, um, apparently at many other universities, they'll charge the athletic department like a discounted rate of tuition. If there's a student on scholarship, a student athlete on scholarship, the university will charge the athletic department for that, but they'll charge a discounted tuition rate or the in-state tuition rate. Um, But Jamie Moffat says that here at the U of O, they charge the full tuition rate uh, or the out-of-state tuition rate, um, which is a lot higher. So it's a bigger percentage of that number. Um, she also talks about how they charge like higher overhead for like the administration services that the athletic department uses. Um, Could you briefly define what overhead means for some of us who may not know? Yeah. So the athletic department and all of the departments and programs on campus use some of the same central services. Um, I think it's like some of the same software and some websites and um, probably like, I don't know, custodial services, things like that, that are like, it's a lot more efficient to run them through the university than like the athletic department and the geography department and the housing department all getting their own services. So um, the athletic department will use those services from the university and then the university um, according to Jamie Moffat, will charge them the full cost of those, whereas other universities like the U of O might not charge as much. Yes, and it sounds like from reading the story that others are disputing the ability to not be able to do that. Right. Some people will say that um, instead of just charging like that overhead and that full scholarship amount, the university should start charging or taxing athletics more um so taking some of athletics profits uh and using that to fund the university's eng fund um i don't know if that's possible um when administrators talk about moving money from athletics they've never said that that's not possible they've never really said that it is possible they've just always kind of talked about how the university charges uh that full overhead amount and those full scholarship kind of things. Yeah. So what has it been like diving into all of this in your first year at the Emerald? And just basically also from your perspective as a fellow student who will also witness those tuition increases, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Um, kind of coming at, coming at it from like the reporter perspective, kind of diving into all of this is like, it's pretty daunting. I think I went to my first tuition and fee advisory board meeting in like October. And that was kind of the beginning of me trying to understand all of this. Um, 
eventually I went to all of the meetings and then people started to like recognize me there. Um, people started to like recognize me at other events. Um, I think if I had to watch Jamie Moffat give another budget presentation, um, you know, she's great at budget presentations, but <laughs> I've seen like so many of them. Uh, I don't know what I would do if I sat through another one. Um, so it's been a lot to like try and understand everything that's going on. Um, and I don't think I do understand everything that happens just because it's, it's hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and that's just hard to account for, for anybody, much less a, a lowly student journalist. Um, (laughs) as far as like the student perspective, it's also very interesting. Um, because like you said, yeah, I'll be impacted if, and when tuition goes up and I'll be impacted if and when, you know, professors uh, have to be laid off because of cuts or uh, GEs aren't teaching as well because their contracts change, those sorts of things. Um, so that's definitely always on my mind, but it's just like, as a reporter, I think I can have the most impact by trying to tell the fullest picture of okay. what I perceive and what I see and ideally helping other people contribute to a conversation by understanding what is going on. Um, and so I just have to remind myself that uh, it I'll be more productive if I step back and, and allow others to understand what's going on. Um, I think it also helps that I'm from out of state. So Oh, you are? Yeah. Wait, where? I'm from Everett, Washington, the Seattle area. Oh, okay. Yeah. So That sucks. Why Not does that suck? Not being Everett, but like being out no. of state. No, no. To be clear, Everett sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this is on the record. This is, no, no. This is on the record. Yes. <laughs> to be clear. Okay. Um, I mean, it doesn't suck. It has its, it's fine. Everett, Everett is fine. We have the largest building in the world by volume. Wait, really? Um, really, yeah. Do you know, just, we're, we're on a brief sidetrack here. No, absolutely. But what, how much is that? Like, what is that volume? I don't, I'm not sure. I'm, um, oh, you're going to Google it. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Uh, we're going to do some quick research here, folks. It's the Boeing factory. Oh, um, that's kind of lame. Airplanes are a big deal in Everett. Um, yeah. So if people in Everett had just heard that you called it Boeing lame, they would um, riot. It's like a factory factory? Uh, it's a factory, yeah. Okay. It's uh, the Boeing Everett factory in Everett, Washington. This is Wikipedia. So, <laughs> uh, Is an airplane assembly building owned by Boeing? Duh. Cool. Um it is the largest building in the world by volume at 13,385,378 meters cubed. You heard it from here, folks. It covers 98.7 acres? No way. That's massive. It's a massive building. Okay. I mean, it's the literally the largest building <laughs> in the world. So, um, uh, If anything deserves to get called massive, it's this. Okay. I would so, tend to agree. Yes. So... Um, but yes, where were we? I'm out of state. I'm from Everett. Um, that's fun. Yeah. I think it does help being an out of state student because I can kind of separate myself a little bit more because like out of state tuition is set this year. It was set earlier than resident tuition. 
um, which is kind of different than previous years. And you can find a link to that story in the description below or to stories about it. I will also link to Zach's author page so you can read his coverage. Sick. <laughs> um, so my my tuition was basically set in March, and there's only so much that like out-of-state tuition can go up before the UO isn't competitive among similarly situated universities. So it's kind of guaranteed that in out-of-state tuition is only going to go up by a certain amount, so I can separate myself from the issue a little bit that way. <laughs> only a minor tuition increase. Right. It's only... Relatively. It's only $1,000 instead of oh, 1500 you know? Oh. Okay, so what's going to sort of happen next for UO and its students? What should we keep an eye out for? Great, great cue. Um... Basically, the next thing, at some point before the end of the session, ideally, uh, which ends on uh, June 30th, um, the state legislature will decide how much money they're going to put into the big state fund called the PUSF. Um, Once that number is figured out, then we'll know what resident tuition is going to increase by. Um, If it goes up by more than 5%, which it will if the state doesn't give the highest amount of money into that fund. Um, If it goes up by more than 5%, then that tuition increase proposal will have to go to the Higher Education Coordinating Commission. Um, At that point, that commission will decide whether or not that increase above 5% is um, amenable to the heck. And then we'll know at that point how much uh, in-state tuition is going to go up. Okay. You also noted at the beginning of the article, called a lead, for those of you who didn't know, I spell it L-E-D-E. Me too. (laughs) Good. (laughs) You also noted that this, well, some you noted that someone said that this could be a sort of turning point for the university in terms of its financial crisis, as you said earlier. Mm -hmm. How do you make of that? I think, yeah, the the comment um, in the the first quote there, it's like, it's pretty existential. Um, Like, this is going to end the university. I don't know if, I don't know if this year will be the, uh, the educational ruin of the university that's not really for me to say i guess but um i mean this is this is one of the biggest or the biggest budget deficits the university has faced um i think there's a quote from jamie moffat in there who um you know any number of times at tuition and fee advisory board meetings when she put the budget numbers on the board she um she used the word depressing a lot she said these are depressing numbers tweeted out the number of times she said depressing during a meeting. I remember that now. I think so. How many times was it? I don't remember. There was one meeting where it was like... I want to say eight. It was upwards of like three or five. There will be a link to that tweet in the description below. Beautiful. <laughs> if I find it. Beautiful. Um. And at one point she was like, this is like, I've been doing this for eight years. This is the largest number I've ever put in front of DFAB. Um, 
so like in that way it's a big deal and i think if you look at the state level because a lot of this is is much bigger than just the university and it's like a state level issue because the state funds the university the state just passed um a pretty big funding package for k through 12 education that um didn't include higher education in the state and so the state is kind of dealing with that issue of like all of the universities, all of the seven universities in Oregon are, are facing these questions of um, increasing retirement costs that they have to pay and state funding that is pretty low compared to other other states. Um, U of O has like the lowest state funding of uh, per student, I want to say, of any of the state's seven universities. So there's like there's that additional question. Um, but every university and every, everyone in the state is kind of dealing with that question of like, how much should we fund higher education? And I think there is, I think from what I've seen, there is momentum from a lot of people, at least from the people I've talked to at the U of O that, um, something at the state level should change with how universities are funded. Um, whether that's just increasing the amount that universities are funded or finding a different way to fund universities. Like if you look at the state of Washington, um, this year they passed a, a brand new tax that is specifically for the funds go specifically to higher education in the state. So I think there's a lot of questions that at least the U of O's lobbying team has about why does the state of Washington do that? And why does the state of California do similar things and have dedicated money for higher education, but the state of Oregon doesn't. So I think, at least from what I've heard, going into next year and the next long legislative session in two years, um, there's going to be continued push to change things at the state level. The Board of Trustees meeting last week was pretty interesting, too. There were like 35 speakers, which um chuck lillis has been he's been the chair of the board of trustees since it began in 2014 and he commented that that was the most people who'd ever signed up for public comment at a meeting this i feel like if you look at the mean number of people like guests who attend who are not on the board and who are not from the emerald it just spikes up during around now doesn't it 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 does if you look at our previous coverage like you can see that there's like there's that one board of trustees meeting where tuition is going up and there's like a bunch of people there. And then there's all of those other board of trustees meetings where they're still like talking about tuition and they're still talking about the university's finances. And like, you know, it's it's far enough out from tuition setting that like there's a there's a good amount of time to like figure out something to do between those two periods. But once tuition, that proposal comes into play and it's the final step of like the up or down vote on the proposal then people like then people show up yeah yeah i covered asu it was the same right i remember that yeah yes so there you go at the end of this i imagine that our listeners are feeling downtrodden depressed is there anything possibly that they can do to feel maybe better about this or at least more 
feel like they're doing something else. I mean, yeah, I think. Oh boy. <laughs> I think, I mean, a lot of people who come to these meetings and talk to people and talk about the issue, um, use a lot of kind of inflammatory language. Um, I don't know if inflammatory maybe is not not the strongest word there, but um, I think the best thing people can do is kind of understand, try and understand what's what's actually going on. And I don't think you can walk into a meeting and expect that things are going to change right away um, and expect that people are going to totally understand where you're coming from. Um, you know, you're point of view can be totally valid and like all of the point of views that I've heard and the people that I've talked to like totally valid point of views really good points of view um but I think if people try and understand where where everyone else's interests are coming from um we can have a better conversation about what needs to happen in the future I think um, as far as like the immediate short term, kind of the only thing that can be changed for for this year's uh, or for next year's tuition is the resident tuition based on how much the state allocates to the university. And so kind of the only the only entry point there is to talk to legislators um, if you feel passionately and ask for that money. Uh, yeah. Or if you feel dispassionately, ask that they allocate that money somewhere else and not give it to higher education. <laughs> dispassionately. Um, but that, you know, strikes me as yeah. unlikely. I remember you shared some board documents with me that were like tuition interest meetings with like gra- for when graduate tuition was being established and funding. And so much, I saw so many zeros of the number of students who came to those meetings or like one or two. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. That was um, each graduate tuition works a little bit differently where like each department runs their own kind of tuition and fee advisory board. And then, yeah, fun fact. Um, and then they each have their own like student forums and some of the programs are like so small that there's only, you know, a handful of students actually in the program. And then they hold one of those forums and then like nobody shows up because they didn't want to. And, and, um, graduate tuition is also a little different because some of the programs are, they're like tuition guaranteed. So when you come in your first year of the three-year program, um, you're paying one tuition rate and you're guaranteed that same tuition rate for the three years of your program. And so the proposal to increase is only for like the next incoming class. So if I'm a student here who's going to be paying the same amount oh, next so year. it just sucks for the next class. Yeah. And it just increases. Why would I come to a meeting if my tuition isn't going to change? Oh, Okay. Then who, whoever's listening to this in three years, sorry. <laughs> right, precisely, yeah. Okay, well, that was very enlightening. Is there anything else that you would like to impart upon our listeners before we wrap things up? Um, you know, I I don't I don't really know. Um, you know, that's a great question. That's a question I always ask at the end of interviews: is like, what else <laughs> do you want people to know? And then I then I always see people like thinking like what do I want people to know? And I've never had to like, I'd never had to be that person. Um, (laughs) But uh, 
Yeah, no, honestly, if you've made it to this point of me rambling about tuition, um, good on you. Let's let's give a small hint of applause. We are the only two in the room. I might overlay this multiple times so it sounds like there's more. I think that's great. There's also the cheering um, in the the audio from the board meeting that you can... Uh, oh, my God, yeah. You can listen to that now. Yay. Great work. Great work, okay. people. All right. Well, thanks for coming in. I'm Ryan. I'm Zach Demars. All right. Tune in next week for How to Pull Thanks so much. To hear more from the Yelmo Podcast Network, you can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to these episodes right on the Emerald homepage at dailyemerald.com. Leave us a comment on SoundCloud or email us at podcast at dailyemerald.com. Thanks for tuning in.